Next, the golden days of radio. Hi, this is Frank Brzee welcoming you to the golden days of radio. Great moments from radio programs of the past with the world's most famous personalities. Those memorable moments when everyone listened to enjoy the make-believe world of radio. On this program, we are featuring Jimmy Durante, Bing Crosby, Edgar Bergen, and Charlie McCarthy, plus orchestra leader Ray Noble, and a complete episode with Lamont Cranston, The Shadow. One of the most famous programs during the 30s and 40s was The Shadow. He could cloud men's minds so they couldn't see him while he fought crime and criminals. Here's Brett Morrison with one of the popular episodes. Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? The shadow knows. <laughs> The Shadow, mysterious character who aids the forces of law and order, is in reality Lamont Cranston, wealthy man about town. Years ago in the Orient, Cranston learned a strange and mysterious secret. The hypnotic power to cloud men's minds so they cannot see him. Cranston's friend and companion, the lovely Margot Lane, is the only person who knows to whom the voice of the invisible shadow belongs. Now... Listen to Air Freight Fracas. Johnny! Johnny Fresno! It's a long time since you came down to the waterfront. Come on in, Johnny. Same old Harry McCarty. What's on your mind, Harry? Why did you call me? Help yourself to refreshments, Johnny. We can talk about old times. How's the freight business at the airport, Johnny? That's going great, Harry. Yeah, you got quite a setup there. Well, you always were a guy with big ideas, Johnny. Panatlantic Airways, flight 14, arriving on schedule at gate 12. Fresno Overland Freight Agency. Yeah? Yeah. Yes, sir, it's been picked up. It's already on the road. Yeah? Yeah? You're welcome. Yes, sir, can I... Shipwreck. Eddie, Eddie, sir, and Eddie, they said you'd quit the mob. What you doing in Johnny Fresno's office? Working here. You're still one of his boys. Johnny's clean. Clean? Johnny Fresno clean? You ought to be a comic, Eddie. Say, what are you doing here, Shipwreck? Well, I'm doing somebody a favor. After this, I'm going off someplace and take it easy. What do you mean, Shipwreck? Uh, nothing personal, Eddie. It's just a job and getting paid for it. I gotta rough you up a bit, Eddie. Rough me up? What for? I done nothing. Eddie... Uh, I, I won't make it too bad on account of we used to be good friends. No, please. Uh, ow. Too bad it has to be you, Eddie. <coughs> See, Eddie? That's all it has to be. Well, it was a nice vacation trip, Lamont, but I'm glad to be back home. And look who's here to meet us. Commissioner Weston. Oh, you shouldn't have come all the way out here just to meet little old us. What up, Miss Lane? I've got nothing else to do. Ah, you have crime under control, Commissioner? What crime, Mr. Cranston? Uh, yes, Sergeant. What is it? Trouble at the freight office. Somebody just beat up Eddie Sulkin, the clerk. You see what I mean, Mr. Cranston? 
All right, Sergeant, let's go to what we call the scene of the crime. Uh, mind if we come along? Be my guest. Sulkin, who did it? Oh. Eddie, who did it? Why? Who was it? Chef... We'd better get him to the hospital. Hello. Yeah, just a minute. It's for you, Johnny. Your office knew you were here? Yeah, I left word. Hello? What? We'll see that he gets the best of care. Right. One of my boys just got roughed up, Harry. No kidding, Johnny. Say, it looks like you're gonna need protection so these things won't happen. You need a partner, Johnny. Think of it, Johnny, you and me together. Nobody's gonna make trouble for us. That's what I wanted to talk about. Who roughed Eddie up? Johnny, how would I know? These things happen, you know that. Sometimes things get much worse. Think it over, Johnny. We'll talk again tomorrow. Yeah, you need protection for your business. I think you ought to make me your partner. And to think that I was afraid that Shrevey would forget to pick us up at the airport. He wouldn't forget about us, would you, Shrevey? Oh, me, Mr. Cranston? No, I wouldn't forget, I wouldn't. Hey, what's with Eddie Sultan? One of the other hackers said Eddie'd been beaten up, he said. I wonder why. Sounds like somebody wants to sell Johnny Fresno protection like in the old days, it sounds. What some people will do to make a living. Shrevey, whatever became of Shipwreck Malone? Shipwreck? What made you think of him what made you, Mr. Cranston? Did Eddie put the finger on Shipwreck, did he put? No, not actually. But I think he was trying to before he lost consciousness. That was my impression. I don't know if the inspector had the same impression. But where is Shipwreck these days? Mr. Cranston, he lives at the Hotel St. John on Low Street. Three blocks from here he lives. Lamar Shrevey is so well informed about these underworld characters. Yeah, I think we should be concerned about you, Shrevey. Oh, me? I just pick up information I pick up. That's all, Mr. Cranston. Well, drop me at the next corner. Sure. Oh, no. Margot, I think it's time for the Shadow to make a social call. Here I come. Yeah. Yeah, me and one of them islands, I could see it now. Going somewhere, shipwreck? I see you're packing. Who's that? I can't see you. The shadow. <laughs> oh, no. Not you. Not you. You remember me? What do you want with me? Listen, I'm out of the rackets. I retired. You weren't retired an hour ago, shipwreck. You were very much in business at the airport. Airport? What's this airport bit? You are very rough with Eddie Sulkin. What are you talking about? I ain't seen Eddie in years. Who hired you to do that job? No, nobody hired me for the job. Nobody. Sometime today, Eddie will recover consciousness. And he'll identify you. Listen, I got a plan to catch. Before Eddie identifies you? That's why you're wrong, Shadow. Eddie won't finger me. He wouldn't know that. That's not the way we do things. So get lost. I got to finish packing. Think it over, shipwreck. When Eddie identifies you, you'll get no help from your boss. You'll be on your own. Think about it. <laughs> He's gone. He said I'd be thinking. No, the boss wouldn't let me take the rap. But I better make certain. 
Scotty, this is Shipwreck. I want to talk to you. I let Shipwreck think I'd left, but I stayed and listened to him telephone Harry McCarty. Lamont, shouldn't you at least go home and unpack before getting involved with these things? Shrevey took your luggage to your apartment. Well, I anticipated you'd have some coffee made here. Do I really make such alluring coffee? No, but you're nice to look at. Oh, isn't that what girls are for? Well, we can discuss the details of that later. Oh, you mean you're going to abandon me? The shadow is going to drop in on Johnny Fresno. Has Fresno actually reformed? Mm-hmm. So the story goes. How quaint. Always something happening when you try to go straight. Hello, Johnny. What? Who's that? <laughs> shadow. You? How are things going, Johnny? I guess you know you wouldn't be here. You're running into problems with Harry McCarty, eh? So you know that, too. Why don't you go to the police, Johnny? I don't know. McCarty can ruin my business. He wants in. If you don't let him in? If I don't, I may as well close up shop. You can't fight it, I know that. Sooner or later, this had to happen. The shadow helped you once, Johnny. Gave you a chance to go straight. And it was great. I'm making more money being honest. You have brains, Johnny. And you were convinced that you should put your brains to good purpose... Instead of wasting it on a life of crime. Maybe I was just scared of you. You're not scared now? No. Because you're part of decent society now. Doesn't that make you feel good? I want to stay this way, Shadow, but... Did McCarty give you a time limit? Yeah, 24 hours. Call him, Johnny. Set up a meeting at his office on the waterfront at 11.30. Well, I didn't expect to be down on the waterfront our first night back. That's Johnny Fresno's car over there. He must have just gone into McCarty's office. So I'll drive around the block a few times and pick you up here at exactly ten after the hour. I notified Commissioner Weston, and he'll be getting here in just a few minutes. Don't let him see you. Johnny Fresno. Right on time, Johnny. Oh, I meet Shipwreck, one of my advisors. Say hello to Mr. Fresno, Shipwreck. Hello, Mr. Fresno. Yeah, you carry a gun, Johnny? I never carried one, Harry. Not even in the old days. Uh, just asking. You figured you needed a bodyguard for this meeting, huh, Harry? No, no, Johnny. Shipwreck here. He got worried about a little matter, so I told him to come on over. Yeah, I see. So you thought my proposition over, Johnny? How do you see things, Harry? I ought to know your point of view. Simple. You've built up a nice front. Legitimate business, coast to coast. You're smart. So, Johnny, how soon you figure we can make it really pay off? Contraband, smuggling, you and me together, Johnny. We can make it big. Harry, I'm big enough. Hey, shipwreck. You hear that? McCarty, it sounds like Mr. Fresno don't want you as a partner. Johnny, is that how it is? You boys catch on real fast. Maybe Mr. Fresno ought to have his mind changed, McCarty. Oh, Johnny don't want that kind of trouble, do you, Johnny? What kind of trouble do you have in mind, Harry? Well, you're tough, yeah. But I'm tough. And shipwreck is tough. Two against one, Johnny. That's lousy odds. And me thinking we'd just have a cozy little chat. Okay, shipwreck, take him. I said take him! Something's get home! <laughs> The shadow, Harry. It's time to even the odds. The shadow? The invisible guy. Now take it easy, shipwreck. Everybody just take it easy. I got a gun, see? Now don't move, Johnny, or I'll blast you. Do as he says, Johnny. That's it. Everybody cooperative. Okay, shadow. I don't see you, but I know where you are. 
You got hold of shipwreck, but you're a sitting duck. But if you pull that trigger, you may hit shipwreck. Be careful about that. Yeah, don't shoot McCarty. You could hit me. So why don't you hit him, shipwreck? Suppose I give you a push, so... <laughs> All right, hold it. Police. Back them, man. What? All right, come Lousy on. Lousy cops. Get all of them. You okay, Fresno? Never better, Commissioner. You're alone? <laughs> Not quite. But you can take over now, Commissioner. I should have known you were here. All right, McCarty. You and your muscle friend better get the advice of counsel. As we have a lot of questions for you. Queen of crime. There's bitter fruit. Crime does not pay. The shadow knows. <laughs> Jimmy Durante has traded quips with most of the show business greats for the past 50 years, and he's always entertaining. Here's Mr. Durante along with Bing Crosby on a command performance program during the Second World War. You've got to start off each day with a song. <laughs> Why, even when things... How long can that Crosby oh, last? Jimmy! You feel better... You even look better. Jimmy. Huh? Great to see you. Great to see you. <laughs> but why are you so late? I couldn't help it. I just returned from a rendezvous with fame. I just stuck my nose in the cement at Groundman's Chinese. <laughs> Must have made quite an impression. Impression? It was horrible, terrible. The manager came out, took one look at it, and fainted dead away. Why? He thought it was a bomb crater. <laughs> Imagine what happened if Hope dropped in there, huh? But it's great being up there on Hollywood Boulevard. All those beautiful dames. No kidding. A sailor came down the street with a blonde on one arm. He looked like a cruiser. Another sailor came down the street with a brunette on his arm. He looked like a battleship. Another sailor came down the street with a blonde on one arm, a brunette on the other. He looked like an aircraft carrier. How are you doing? Shake hands with a rowboat. <laughs> doesn't make any difference, Jim, what's what you did, as long as you were there. I was there, and tonight I'm here. But it don't make no difference whether Durante's here or there, because you always know he's there when you hear... Now, once upon a time, they sang the Bodeo Doe, but that was long ago. Then everybody started in to boop-boop-a-doop. They got tired of that, you know. Crosby, I'll give you fifty dollars to show me that note in the music. Put up, put up. Show me, put up, put up in the music. <laughs> Fair price. Crosby is showing me the music. Too bad I can't read. <laughs> but the tune for you and me. That obligato was very unnecessary. <laughs> well played. Is that swingy? Symphony, they called it ink. A dinkity, a dinkadoo. Let me hear that sound. Oh, what a tune for tuning. Ah, ink. 
How do you do? It's my number, Mr. Crosby. Sorry, I was carried away. Everybody wants to get into the act. <laughs> you know, I went to the circus the other day, and I seen an elephant looking down at a little mouse. The elephant was saying to the mouse, look at the size of me and look at the size of you. Why, you're nothing but a wretched, insignificant little shrimp. The little mouse looked up at the elephant and said, listen, I've been sick. <laughs> Why, simply means it. I think I do. I think I do. Now, I think I do. I think I do. <laughs> Let me hear that band. What a band, ink. I think I do. I think I do. I think I do. Why, it's got the whole world spooning. You know, I was puttering around in my victory garden when I sees a little worm stick its head above the ground. It looked around and sees another little worm stick its head out of the ground. I eave drips. The first... <laughs> the first little worm says to the second little worm, How do you do? You're very pretty. I would like to marry you. And the second little worm says, Don't be a dope. It's your other end. <laughs> And now here's a team that was always a hit on radio. Along with Ray Noble, here's Edgar Bergen and the devilish kid with the monocle, Charlie McCarthy. My old friend, my old buddy. Are you talking to me, Bergen? Yes, that's right, my dear chum. Dear chum. Bergen, has somebody been spiking your wheat germ? No. <laughs> Slipped a Mickey in your yogurt? No, no, not at all, old pal. Old pal, you know, this is getting a little sickening. Yeah. <laughs> all right, what did you do, Bergen? What do you want? Oh, nothing at all. It's just that I consider myself very fortunate in being able to call you friend. Yeah? Yes. Well, I'll go along with that, but I'm suspicious here. I feel that in having you as a pal, I am the richer for it. Yes, uh-huh. Well, now, how about raising my allowance and let us all get in on this thing, then? <laughs> no, I don't know how I can impress you about this, Charlie, but I consider myself lucky to know you. Yeah. Boy, you, you really must be in a mess, Bergen. Now, <laughs> well, come on. What have you done? Well, Charlie, I did go to see my doctor yesterday. Oh. Oh! You need blood. No, no, no. <laughs> he needs blood? No, no. The nurse needs blood. No, no. No. The doctor just found that I, I've been putting on a little too much weight lately. Oh. Have you happened to notice my stomach lately? Notice it? It's been pushing me out in the audience. Oh. <laughs> uh, some people have a little pot. Yes. But you got the whole stove. No. <laughs> Anyway, the doctor recommended exercise. Yeah? Yes. I thought it'd be a very good idea if I had the use of a bicycle, you know, for exercising. Yeah? You know, someone, you know, like you, you have a bicycle, don't you? Uh, you do understand. Yes, yes, I do, yes. You're going to, you're going to buy a bicycle? Well, I thought maybe I wouldn't have to resort to buying one. Oh? We might figure another way out of it, Charlie, old friend. Yeah? Yes. Another way out, huh? Yes. I see. You forgive me for being so stupid. Uh, you, you want me to steal a bicycle for you? No. <laughs> no, it's not that either exactly, Charlie. Well, I guess I'm 
I'm just not as smart as you are, Bergen. I, I don't get it. Well, you have a bicycle, don't you? Yes, yes, I do. That's right. I have a bicycle. And it's mine. Yes, yes, I know. <laughs> but you don't, you don't use the bicycle a great deal now, do you, Charlie? That is not a great deal. Well, I, I, I just ride it to school every day and ride it home, that's all. I just pump and sweat up and down those hills all day. <laughs> every day, that's all. I see. All I want was the use of your bicycle. Yeah, well, you ain't gonna have it. Oh, I see, yeah. I hope that's not being blunt. Yeah. Well, you wouldn't do that to an old friend, would you? I sure would, stranger. Oh, I see. <laughs> but my pal, my Charlie Wally. Now, don't Charlie Wally me. Look, Fatsy Watsy. Yeah. <laughs> You're making me sicky-wicky. All right. Oh, how do you do, chaps? Pip-pip uh, cheerio and all those various British salutations. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting sickier and wickier. Yeah, all right. <laughs> no, but I see, chaps, uh, what's the dispute? Well, there isn't really any dispute, Ray. It's just that my doctor wants me to take off weight, so he recommended a bicycle. My word, what an unusual diet. Well, it is. <laughs> no, 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 you don't understand what well, I... I should say not, no. old boy. I mean, you must have a beastly time chewing on those tires. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you got it all wrong. You see, blubber hips here is supposed to ride on a bike. Yeah. Blubber oh. hips, ah, oh, that's the very idea. I haven't put on that much weight. You haven't, huh? No. Well, then how come I saw a tourist pointing at you and say, Look, Nathal, there's Mount Baldy. No. Mount <laughs> <laughs> Baldy. I say, Edgar, you know, a friend of mine had a large stomach. Oh. And, yes, and he took to riding a bicycle every day. Oh, and, and, he got, and that got rid of his stomach? Oh, yes, that's all behind him now. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Well, Charlie, I'm still waiting for your answer. Now, look, Bergen, I, if I lent you my bike... Would you object to a small service charge? No, all right. <laughs> are you going to loan me the, uh, the, your bicycle, or aren't you? Well, let me, let me, uh, I'll tell you what, how we work this out. I'll let you have it tomorrow, Bergen. But tonight, I'm taking my girl for a little ride on the handlebars. Oh, you are? <laughs> yeah, a little ride, I see. Well, Charlie, you can't stop, you know, in Lover's Lane and pull that old line that you're out of gas with a bicycle. No, <laughs> but I could always say that I'm, I'm too pooped to pedal. I see. <laughs> Well, that wraps up this edition of the Golden Days of Radio. Now here's a thought to remember. United States farms are not only the most highly mechanized, but the most productive in the world with an annual gross national income of billions of dollars. And most United States farmers own their own farms. Does democratic free enterprise pay off? You bet it does. This is Frank Brzee in Hollywood, California, inviting you to join me next time for more great moments from radio programs of the past. This is the American Forces Radio and Television Service.